I can remember my grandfather. I can remember him. My grandmother would say, his name was Underwood. Underwood, we have to go. And I remember him saying, hold on a second. Let me make a drink. And he would go in the kitchen and he would get, you remember the the, the Tupperware? Uh, 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 they were like tumblers. And it was a light blue tumbler. He would throw some ice in it, pour a bunch of Johnny Walker red in that bad boy, and then grab his keys and be like, all right, let's go. And I, <laughs> my grandmother, and my grandfather would all get in the front seat of that 1972 dirt brown Buickless Sabre, and we would toddle on down the road while he's sipping a scotch and, well, scotch. My grandmother's in the other seat. She probably had one or had one previously. And I'm literally walking on the seat between the two of them as we all drive down the road with no seat belts. Yeah. That was 1978. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of your favorite podcast. Indeed, it is Quality Hang. I am Rod Brooks. And as always... I am joined by my partner in crime on this podcasting adventure, my man, Marcus Osborne. What's up, my brother? How you doing? What is up, man? I'm feeling pretty good. I I took myself uh, an Epsom bath this morning because uh, I drove for 33 hours from Oakland to New Orleans. And what an experience that was, by the way. You you didn't do it straight, did you? No, I didn't do it straight. I broke it up. Uh, I I spent two nights at a at a motel. Uh, I've made this drive before. I've driven mm-hmm. across the country before, so that's not that part is not the big deal. But it's the first time I've done it by myself, and it is exhausting <laughs> to drive that much by yourself. Holy <laughs> Moses! Oh yeah. My God. By the way, I assume the worst part was driving through Texas, where you thought it would never end, because that's how all if you go that part of the country and across country drive, you get into that you know, 900 miles of one state and it is, yeah, it's an eye opener. People to Texas and California, people don't really understand how big those states are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they don't really yeah. understand how big those states are. California is vertical. I, Texas is, is oh. more horizontal. Yeah. But they're both long. And I'll tell you, right. I, uh, like New Orleans gets hot, but boy, at Texas heat, that's a monster boy. That yeah, is man. a monster. Brother, I'm I'm driving and I got my AC on. I'm going, damn, it's not getting cooler in here. What the <laughs> fuck is going on? <laughs> I look down. I'm like, well, my AC is on. It's on. It's, it's pretty, pretty blowing pretty high. I look at the temperature outside, 98. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God. With the humidity. And shit. And shit is like my little, my little thing that has my phone in it. That holds a phone. That thing is melting on the windshield. I'm like, oh my god, I'm in Texas. Yeah, <laughs> I had to crank that AC and I'm going up to be for two here hours. For another twelve hours. <laughs> oh my god, it was amazing. But on the other hand, it's a very unique state because one, you know, one half of it is very mountainous, mm-hmm. and then the other half is very flat. Yeah, <laughs> it's a very interesting state. Yeah, it it absolutely is. Uh, I I would like to uh, to congratulate you on making a you know uh, a drive across half of this great country without having to engage with any law enforcement officers on your thirty plus hour well, drive. Well, so you made it, my brother. Congratulations! You ran the gauntlet. Good I for did. you. I did get stopped. Oh, you did! did oh stopped. my god! And you live to tell about it. Oh, I mean, <laughs> let me tell you something. <laughs> I, I was so nervous. <laughs> I bet you were. <laughs> Hands at ten and two. Yes, sir. No, sir. Boy, I am right. I was. I was so nervous, and I, and he got me for speeding. And what what fucked me up was I was I was going ten miles over the speed limit. So you know you get those stretches in Texas where the speed limit is eighty or seventy. Yeah. And so you know I was hitting that eighty, ninety. What? But I always stay within ten miles of the speed limit. And it's one of these roads that's by itself. I'm driving on alone, and this cat out of nowhere snatches me. I'm like, oh my God. And he walks up to me. I did the whole license registration thing. He wasn't mean, he wasn't an asshole, but he let me go with a warning. And that is the Woo. moral of the story, kids. Woo! 
Hey, hold on, hold on. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, timestamp uh, this portion of Quality Hang. A black man just got let go with a warning, a warning. by a police officer th- in the United States of America. Hallelujah. Racism is yeah. I, I think I think he was trying to find something on me to be if I'm being real about it. I think he was trying yeah. to look for something because I know that I was not going the fastest of anybody who was on the road. I know that for a fact because I'm doing 80, sometimes 90, and people were getting pissed at me because I wouldn't go faster. <laughs> so these big ass trucks were just flying, go around flying by at least a 110, at least 110. <laughs> And I'm like, none of these dudes getting stopped. But here I am, doing my little funky 80, 90, and my guy pulls me over. And I'm like, okay, I see what this is. But I like just let just God let me get through this thing. And so I got that was my only that was my only stop. He gave me a warning. I never had to sign for a warning before, but I had to sign for a warning. That was interesting. Really? Yeah, I just he gave me a piece of paper and it said, You've been warned, and I had to sign this and say that I got this. So that was new to me i've never had to do that before um and then uh i got got stopped by border patrol for the very first time ever which is also strange i don't so did you go through like a new uh yeah i went through el paso i went through el paso but uh it was interesting because you know i wasn't i wasn't that near the the mexico yeah i mean border i mean would you If you pay attention to the news, and I know you do, I'm, I'm in essence talking to the the wonderful people who listen to Quality Hang. Uh, in Texas, you have certain people, politicians, who are making a big deal about the southern border. And so now Border Patrol, it's not just about catching people you know, who are coming over from Juarez in El Paso. It's about casting a wide net so you can be miles and miles and miles outside of El Paso and you will still or miles away from the US Mexico border and you will still run into yeah. border patrol. I mean they they are they are putting on a full court press looking for people and looking for looking for drugs. Probably more more so than people, but they 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 tend to think certain politicians in Texas that the people in the drugs coming over from Mexico are equally dangerous. It's funny because uh yeah, I I I have again I've taken this drive a few times before. This is the first time I'd ever encountered a like legit border patrol set up, uh like holding center, etc. Mm-hmm. And your boy, I mean, and it was nothing either. Like this is, doesn't seem like it's gonna be very effective because I just rolled down the window. Sir, are you an American? Yes, I am. Keep going. <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, it, it's it's basically <laughs> it's it's for show. Um, it, it is, you know, people get paid a good amount of money to put uh, out that show of force. And then what they'll say is, well, if we catch just one person, then that that's that's good enough for us. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's performative for sure. Uh, bullshit, if you just want to call it that. But, yeah, I mean, that's just. You know, that's just the way the sausage is made with, you know, our southern border must be protected. Like, are you really protected? It's, it's like, you know, it's like after 9-11, all the bullshit we yeah. had to and still have to go through when it comes to getting through an airport. It doesn't really make us safer. Mm-hmm. It's just all performative. And people are getting rich off of yeah. it. Yeah. You know, so. You ain't lying. You are not no, lying. No. You are not lying. All right, lying. let's get this party started. Uh, we riff on certain things that are happening. In the world of sports, randomness, and we always start this segment with lifestyle. What's happening, Marcus? What you got? So I don't know if you've heard about uh, this phenomenon they've labeled as quiet quitting. This is something that's kind of popped up over the past few weeks. Um, Essentially, quiet quitting is the, the concept that people are simply doing their jobs, what they're paid for, nothing more nothing less. And it's fascinating to me because employers and people are really up in arms about it. Like, why are you, you should be working hard. You should be trying to get these raises, blah, blah, blah. Like, nah, man, quiet quitting. I think that's the, that might be the way to go because what we realize, what we've learned after years and years and years of labor management uh, confrontations is labor doesn't give, I mean, management doesn't give a shit about you. And these little funky 2% raises that they give people, man, I know people who bust their asses to get raises and to move up. 
and go above and beyond just to get a little two percent raise uh or or if you're lucky a four percent raise because you've done really good like fuck that working extra hours overtime having no life to get a to get a funky two three four dollar raise are you kidding me Pay people what they're worth, and you'll get people who work hard for you. If you pay, if these companies paid people to work extra hard, then they get people who would be willing to work extra hard. That's not how the game works. And I, I legit saw this today, and it's one of these. I, I'm, obviously, I'm a big labor guy, obviously, but the idea that employees owe it to owners and management to take pay cuts and to do extra things without the expectation of some sort of reciprocation from ownership is insane to me. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw, I know I'm ranting, but I saw someone pointed out, oh, I think it was your boy Skip Bailey. He talked about how Tom Brady. No, 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 no. Ho, 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 ho. I'm going to let you finish. Let, let me say this. He ain't my boy. This. All right, let's get that straight right now. Well, yeah, he yeah, is yeah. a boy. <laughs> he ain't my boy. All right, keep it moving. He, he he talked about how Tom Brady took a little less money to win, quote unquote. Like and and LeBron should do the same. And this is a narrative I've heard with not just LeBron, but with many many players. You should take less because you're gonna have money for that team to win. Nah, dude, stop that shit. These dudes that get cut as soon as these teams are done with them. These are businesses. Businesses first. The debate with this guy was, well, Marcus, teams want to win. You know what? There's more than one way to win. We've seen teams spend not a lot of money to win, and we've seen teams spend a lot of money to win. The key to it is spending smart. That's the key to winning. Not having your superstar take a pay cut for you. You're a multi-billionaire. If you can't afford the team and afford to pay the players, then don't own the team. But the idea that you expect a motherfucker to take a pay cut or take less than his value for you? Are you insane? That doesn't make any sense. Everything you just said there is 100% real spill. It doesn't happen as much anymore because people are getting smarter, but it still happens and it still happens way too much. But the 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 ass kissing and the boot licking of Yes companies and corporations by Americans is mind-blowing to me that we still have people who think, well, I owe the company more than what I have been asked to do for the company, what I am trading my time for, you know, with this company. It 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 is it it's it's baffling to me that you will have people, as far as they're concerned, it's all hail the company. And, it, and we have to do yeah. something for the the we we have to lessen ourselves to uplift the company. If that's not gaslighting <laughs> by the company, <laughs> if if that's not mind control, then I, I then I don't know what it is. Uh, but but we're we're starting to get out of that. And and younger people who didn't grow up with that ethos of well, whatever the boss man says, whatever the company wants is the most important thing. Younger people who didn't grow up with that look at that mindset and go, well, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And they're right. They're right. They're 100% percent <laughs> uh, right. But the people who benefit the most from the worker going above and beyond the call of duty for the company, the people who benefit from that most aren't the 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 owners of the company, even if we are talking shareholders type companies and things of that nature, the people who benefit from the employee doing more for the company, it's the middle management dipshit that is the boss of that employee. Because if the if the middle manager, if the boss man can show, look at what my employees are doing, and they are doing they 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 are doing things that have is of a great benefit to the company and they're going above and beyond the call of duty, that middle management dipshit can go to his bosses and go, look at how great I am. And they get a bonus. And then if they feel like it, they'll kick you down. As you were mentioning, Marcus, that piddly little two, three, four, if you're lucky percent raise. But all of a sudden when workers go, nah, man, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to do it well. And that's what I'm going to do. And I'm not going above and beyond that. Then the middle management dipshit boss, what do you? Ha- what does he have to bring to his superior? 
really nothing. And that puts him or her (laughs) in danger. And they don't like that. Mm -mm. You know, one of the things I used to tell uh, my staff and and people I employed was, and, and I would have this conversation with owners and I would tell the staff as well, like, listen, if you get a better offer somewhere, take it. If somebody offers you a better job somewhere, take it. You don't owe me, you don't owe this company, and you don't owe these owners a single ounce of extra time, period. And I would tell the owners when we'd have owners meetings, like, listen, there it's impossible for you to expect the people who we pay here, the people who are on our staff, to care as much about the company that you owned as you do, because right. they don't benefit from this company the way you do. You're making the money, you're paying the bills for sure. But you're not doing you're not paying these folks out of the goodness of your heart. This is the myth of supply side economics, right? It's a myth of trickle down theory. Basic economics is if there is a demand, then you will have a job. The bottom you can't just because there is something there, you create something doesn't mean people want that shit. So you have to pay people based on the demand. People aren't being hired because, oh, these companies are altruistic and they just Job creators. You know what creates jobs? Demand. Not you just having a big-ass company and saying, we're going to do this stuff. If your company does not have people demanding your goods or your service, it is dead. The idea of you just being a company and therefore you're going to be able to hire people is insanity to me. And people have been drinking and drinking that shit up for years. It, it is. It is wild. But it, it's that tide is starting to turn. But we, that, that, that worship of the company is so mm. ingrained in American society, it's it's going to be generations before that that really has has changed or that pendulum has swung back to the other side. Um, the details are still coming out as we record this episode of Quality Hang, but President Joe Biden is announcing that uh, mm. there will be student loan forgiveness. Now, it won't be total student loan forgiveness, uh, but there for the first time, in, in American history, uh, there will be, just keep it what it is, student loan forgiveness. And I bring all this up, not not to debate the merits of student loan forgiveness. I personally, I think it's great as someone who had student loans and had to pay those student loans off. Um, I think it's great that we now have student loan forgiveness because it, the, 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 the secondary education student loan uh, situation is company can only be best described, Marcus, as predatory. Um, I know that oh. for a fact because I went through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 the the examples out there are numerous. What blows me away about this? It's not that it's taken so long. It's not that we don't have full student loan forgiveness because I understand why we don't. But what blows me away is that you have people who are out there hating. They don't want student loan forgiveness. Because they had to pay off student loans. And my thing is, why are you hating? <laughs> what, I, what I like for that to happen to me, where I could get a portion of, of, of my college student loan debt be forgiven? Absolutely. But I'm not going to actively be out there going, no, 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 that shouldn't happen because it didn't happen for me. What type of a nasty hater do you have to be? To be upset that there are people who are getting some help with their student loan debt that you didn't get. You 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 just Amen. you are that awful of a person that you can't be happy that the right thing is being done, even if it's not benefiting you. Are you that rotten of an individual where you can't celebrate that? And the answer to those questions, Marcus, yes, there are millions yes. of rotten individuals out there who hate the fact that President Biden has, has uh, engineered a certain amount of student loan debt forgiveness because it's, it didn't happen to you. Like, get out of here with that nonsense. You Go to church, okay? Hey. <laughs> like if you're, if hey, you're that terrible on the inside, find something to help you. You man, you know this points out. I think what is uh, our nation's the biggest, greatest flaw, and that is the the idea of rugged individualism. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Listen, 
the the thing just because it doesn't benefit you now, we should be glad that it benefits society in the future. It might we benefit only, your we are, It we, might benefit your, your grandchildren. I, like, right? How can you right. be upset about this? Because people are. This is a nation of fucking selfish ass people. We just are <laughs> haters. That's what they are. Haters. Straight up. Straight <laughs> up. And 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 the other part of this, quiet as kept. The other little part of this is that this is also a nation that does not, no matter how much lip service they give you, does not value education. They think of education as something that should be paid for as opposed to other nations where they think an educated society is a well-run society. Yeah, but not here. They want to make sure you stay as uneducated as possible so that you won't question stupid shit. Because as you and I both know, the main thing you get out of a secondary education, yes, you get specific training and things, but the greatest thing you learn from it is critical thinking skills. Yep. Amen. Amen. That's the thing. Amen. And and also being exposed to other people with other ideas. Um, and boy- how great would this country be if we just had more understanding of each other and we could critically think about what the other side has gone through or the ideas that they represent? I mean, what what an idea. But you know what, Marcus? That's just stupid. That's almost as stupid as a country <laughs> making sure that healthcare is not something you get when you have a job, that we haven't privatized healthcare. But I I mean, you know, these, these are all crazy ideas. We're just a couple of socialist right. communists who are just talking dumb <laughs> shit. Rod, you bring up some really, really, really good points because one of the things that I've always preached is that um, when it comes to sort of societal and cultural uh, debates and ills, the greatest thing is not necessarily integration, but having interracial, interreligious, um, intersocial relationships mm-hmm. with other mm-hmm. human beings. That way, you learn about how other people. Like, I th- one of the things I think racism. One of the reasons I think racism is so powerful and prevalent is because, let's be honest, most white folks in this country don't don't have people of color in their inner circle. Like five. If you talk to most white folks, and and I'd say this, black folks too. Most of us who are outside of places like San Francisco and Oakland and, you know, those enclaves of diversity. If you ask them, do you have any friends in your inner circle who are not the same race as you? Nine times out of 10, they're going to tell you no. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that if we did have more relationships like that, we'd have a lot more understanding or at the very least, a lot more interest in having conversations. In those days, I don't. I just don't think they're ever going to happen. No, no, you're 100 right. Let's move on to sports. Uh, I have been waiting to ask you this question now for hmm. four days, as uh, this show's resident now Las Vegas Raiders fan, and you, Marcus yeah. Osborne, who has spent the majority of your life in Oakland. You grew up with the Raiders in Oakland, then leaving yeah. Oakland for Los Angeles, coming back to yeah. Oakland. Being terrible for the most for the most part while they were in Oakland a second time and then leaving for Vegas. You have stuck with them through a whole lot of thin and just a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of thick. You you you're a Raiders fan, right? Just mm-hmm. I just want to get this bona fide yeah. before we get into this discussion. Yeah, I still like my Raiders. I don't <laughs> I don't have the I mean, I have to admit, I don't have the obsession that I once had, but I still like the Raiders. Like, if I'm going to root for any team, it's going to be the Raiders. Okay. All right. So how did it make you feel when, uh, of course, it was Dana White who said that he brokered this deal, but how did you feel <laughs> about the fact that this uh, this report that has not been debunked, uh, this report that Rob Gronkowski and Tom Brady were basically signed, sealed, and delivered to the Raiders in 2020. But John Gruden, who was the coach, and of course he was the de facto GM because he was making $10 million a year, no matter that Mike Mayock was the GM. He was the GM in name only. But John Gruden said, nope, I don't want Rob Gronkowski (laughs) and the greatest quarterback of all time, Tom Brady, to come to Vegas. I want to kick it and hang with this David Carfello. Now let me go and send some more racist emails. 
How, as a Las Vegas <laughs> Raider fan, Marcus Osborne, does it make you feel to know that uh, self-proclaimed genius John Gruden decided he wanted nothing to do with Tom Brady? Your thoughts? Well, this is a this is an interesting conversation because this came up over the weekend, and I'm like, well, that's first of all, I don't buy that story at all. Um, I think it's bullshit. Uh, and Mark Davis came out and said, well, that's not exactly how that went down. Uh, and knowing you trust the guy John with that haircut? I, I don't, but I can't trust Dana <laughs> White's haircut either or his lack thereof. Uh, and he's Dana White. He's a fucking piece of shit. Uh, but I, there's a number of things, number of reasons that I think this story might be. It's a little murky. First of all, I know John Gruden loved him some Tom Brady and he was not particularly enamored of Derek Carr when he got there. Now, once he got there, he kind of understood that Derek Carr, pretty good quarterback. Um, I just don't buy it. I don't buy Dana White being a guy who would broker a deal. Get the fuck out of here. So let's, like, let's take on. Dana White out of this. Let's, because I'm, 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 well, he you. said I, he, I, he talked him into it. Yeah, 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 but I, I, I think, I think that's that's just Dana White, Dana White. Let's take Dana White out of this. Okay? <laughs> Let's take Dana White out of this. You don't think for a second that Tom Brady, and we're just going. All respect to Rob Gronkowski, but he's 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 Robert in this situation. We're talking about Batman. You don't think for a second that Tom Brady wanted to be a part of the Raiders before he eventually went to Tampa. And you, nah, and, and, I mean, I th- put it this way. I think that there may have been discussions about teams, but to be completely honest with you, I think the team he wanted to go to was the 49ers. That's I, the team I think he wanted to go to. I am in agreement to. with you on that. Um, I, I, I think uh, if he – there are a lot of reasons, if I were Tom Brady, that I would not have gone to the Raiders, and one of those reasons would have been John Roots. <laughs> yes. And the other – and. <laughs> The other reason would be that team like would not have had a chance to win a Super Bowl. Like Derek Carr has not played. Derek Carr has played well for a franchise that can't. This team was in the top ten, top five scoring for years. So there's nothing more that Derek Derek Carr could do. They can't stop anything. So whether you put Tom Brady there or you know. The ghost of Joe Montana, that team wasn't winning shit because they can't stop water from running. So I don't know any reason that Tom Brady would have wanted to come to the Raiders. Any sensible quarterback would have wanted to come and play for the Raiders. It's a no, it was a no-win situation. And no, unless no, you're gonna take unless you're gonna you're, take Derek Carr's job and get his salary, there's no reason to go to that team. You you're you're right, because when you look at Tampa before Tom Brady got there and the Raiders in 2020, um, Tampa's offensive line, outstanding. Uh, So, of course, that was beneficial to Tom Brady. And Tampa's defense, absolutely outstanding. There's two things you're 100% uh, right. Uh, The Raiders just didn't possess. So, in in that regard, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. A couple of things, though. Got to push back on Derek Carr. Um, God bless the guy. I think he tries hard. I saw that dude throw the ball away on fourth down. Okay, I I have a hard time getting down with a quarterback who throws the ball away in a do or die. You got to win this game situation on fourth down. To me, that is that is I, I cannot pardon that sin. But here's why John Gruden, in my estimation, didn't want to mess around with Tom Brady. He didn't want to have happen to him what eventually happened to Bruce Arians, because Bruce Arians was there. <laughs> Bruce Arians was that dude. He's the coach. Formerly was the coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady walks in. Everybody know who's in charge. Everybody know who's pulling the strings. And it's Tom Brady. And what eventually happened, Bruce Arians, who's a good football coach, better football coach than Tom Brady, Bruce Arians basically had to go kick rocks. He's not the coach of the, Bu- the Buccaneers anymore. It's Todd Bowles. John Gruden knew. I bring Tom Brady in, win or lose, it's a wrap for me being the guy in charge. He was the dude, John Gruden, making $10 million a year. He was the guy making all the personnel decisions, even though Mike Mayock was the GM. He was the guy oh. that had the ear of, uh, of um, 
the guy with the funny haircut, uh, Al Davis's Mark kid. Davis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. he was the guy. John Gruden was the man. John Gruden was the Raiders. Soon as Tom Brady steps to that door, John Gruden's not the Raiders anymore. He didn't want none of that. He wanted none uh, of that. He wanted to. He wanted to be that guy. And if he could be that guy and win a Super Bowl with Derek Carr, he's a legend forever. My estimation, if yeah. the story is true, and I tend to think it is, that's why John Gruden didn't want Tom Brady. He didn't want Tom Brady coming in and stealing his shine. I well, and the other part of that is a lot of folks thought thought Tom Brady was done after that season too. It's that not like true. he. That is true. Yeah, and a lot of folks were like, "Ah, this dude is done." So I, but I, I, I believe that Tom Brady. First of all, the last <laughs> the last few years of his career. I'm willing to go, okay, this dude is the greatest QB that we've ever seen. And I'm a Joe Montana guy. This dude is insane because at 45 years old, you're still out here throwing balls around the field. Granted, it's a lot easier as a QB now to play than it was back then, but this dude is out there making the plays, and he's ballsy. John John Gruden, if I may digress, if you want to talk about one of the most overrated coaches of all time, this dude, he has one great skill, and that is designing an offense. And he can call plays, and I'll give him that. But as a coach, as a talent evaluator specifically, he is trash. He ruined that Tampa Bay team. He came in and ruined what what the few defensive players we had on that rated team. He ruined that too. The dude is awful. And so I am not unhappy that he finally got caught and got rid of dumping 10 million bucks a year. And that dude was never going to happen with John Gruden. It was never going to happen. Fuck that dude is what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) It is. uh, It's amazing. You can put up with all that stuff and still be a Raider fan. I I just, I, 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 I I, I say that, I mean, I, I've told you about my intense football obsession and maybe that's just, you know, coming from the South. We just, that's just part of who we are. And then, my the first team I ever really liked was the Dallas Cowboys, New Orleans Saints, just because I obviously in Little Rock we had the Cowboys, we had the Saints. Those were the two teams. Uh, coming to Oakland when I got here, the Raiders were literally the most dominant team oh, in yeah. professional sports, not yeah, just yeah. football, but in professional sports. They were giving and away nine my- tickets and loaves of Wonder Bread back in the seventies. Oh yeah, I mean one of the one of the most underappreciated things about that time is the Raiders owned the Bay Area. These dudes, at least the first the first probably the first fifteen years, I was in Oakland. Nope, there was no better professional team than the Raiders. And then once they moved, I'm like, okay, L.A. Fine, I can root for them. The Vegas thing, it altogether different story. And yeah. I, there's a number of reasons why, why I, I kind of turned on him uh, after the move to Vegas. Uh, but mainly it's Mark Davis is full of shit. Um, and I didn't blame the city of Oakland this time. I blamed the city of Oakland the first time. I didn't blame the city of Oakland the second time because they were full of shit. They wanted to move. They've been planning on moving. And yeah. I say, let them go. Because I'm sick of these cities, these teams raping these cities for a billion dollars and getting nothing in return. It's yeah. fucking bullshit. So I'm like, peace, see ya. So for those years, I was like, yeah, I'm good, and I'm I'm very anti Mark Davis. But like I said, as as my uh, as my interest in football uh, comes back, it's being rejuvenated. I realize I don't really care about none of these teams. <laughs> so the Raiders is my default team. Although this year I'm going to be riding with the Saints a little bit too. What else you got for me, my man? Um, just a little quick uh, note about Lenny Dawson, man. This is one of these cats who I think, and when we talk about all-time great QBs, his name has fallen down that list. But this dude is not, I mean, there is an era, and this is this is the era where, you know, you complete 50, 51, 52% of your passes. You're a pretty damn good QB. But this dude was regularly in the high 50s. I mean, one year I think he threw 60%. And he was one of the first guys to throw for, you know, 2,500 yards on a regular basis. It's insane how well he played. And, of course, those Chiefs teams were great. It's mm-hmm. it's interesting to me that anything that happened before 
Super Bowl one is sort of disregarded in the annals of pro football. And I get it because, you know, it's like the NBA-ABA merger. It's just a different deal now. But Lynn Dawson was so good. He led the, led the league in passing for, what, five, six years in a row. The guy threw for almost 3,000 yards once, which at, at that point was unheard of. Throwing regularly for 25 touchdowns, unheard of. And so I think he finished his career with, uh, what, a 55, 56% uh, completion percentage. Does it, like those numbers by by today's by today's standards look paltry? I think he finished his career with twenty eight thousand yards passing. That stuff looks paltry now. Now we've got guys who like now if you don't regular, I think his average per game in yards passing was like hundred and ninety yards. <laughs> like people will look at you like you you suck if you throw for that now. You're not getting three hundred yard games. No, it's a different game now. Everybody's throwing the ball. This dude was oh, he averaged 19 passes per game. Yeah. It's insane, but he was so good. His teams won and he, obviously he had a great offensive squad around him, but please give it up for Lynn Dawson. He di- died today. And uh, I just think this guy as a Raider fan who has long hated the Chiefs, you got to give it up to Lynn Dawson. The dude no, was amazing. No, he he's uh he's one of the all-time greats and he's in that that area of all-time great quarterbacking where He's in there with Fran Tarkington. Um, he's mm-hmm. he's in there with those other quarterbacks of the late '60s and, and the '70s, who you know they're not the the ones that you think about where they were just slinging the ball all over, or they have that that mm-hmm. sort of pop culture cachet that Joe Namath had. But these are guys out there who who played the game the way it was played at the time, and they played it at at a uh, at a very high level. I just want to point out that Lynn Dawson played football in the 60s and the 70s, smoked, drank, (laughs) and he made it to 87 years old. That is the textbook definition of a good run. So, hey, man, (laughs) he's he's a professional football Hall of Famer and a life (laughs) Hall of Famer because – I mean, he, it's, he was smoking unfiltered cigarettes back in the day at halftime of Super Bowl One. There's a very famous picture <laughs> like of him in full uniform, dirt on him, and he's sitting there <laughs> smoking a Pall Mall, and there's like a like a like a bottle of Fresca or something at his feet. That guy just died. <laughs> if, if you were a football player from the '60s and you had a three pack a day habit. You're dead at 52. So, yeah. <laughs> Easy. I, just, I, I, I tip my hat to Lynn Dawson for making it, you know, almost nine decades playing a very dangerous sport and living a somewhat dangerous lifestyle. Yeah, man. Kudu. And, you know, uh, also underrated broadcaster. Yes, um, I was going to mention that. Yeah, man. Inside the he NFL. was on Inside he, the, uh, so the NFL with, uh, was it Nick Bonacani? And you could only yep. get highlights, you know, if if – uh, your parents were rich enough to have HBO or if you uh, had somebody who stole cable. Yeah, man, he's a great yeah. broadcaster. I think he did NBC really good. Uh, games when NBC had the AFC package back in the day. Yeah, so no, Lynn Dawson was, yep. uh, like I said, he, he's a life Hall of Famer, man. There's there's no doubt about mm. that. Preach that shit. <laughs> All right, man, let's move on to, uh, to lifestyle. Uh, free Brittany Griner. Uh, she's still being held by uh, the Russian authorities. She was sentenced to, what was it, mm. nine years in, uh, in a Russian prison for possessing uh, marijuana. And uh, the U.S. government, and I'm going to, uh, okay, maybe this is risky. I'm going to take the government at its word that it is actively trying to secure Brittany Griner's release. More than likely, it's going to be a prisoner exchange, but free Brittany Griner until it's backwards. But I'm I'm going mm-hmm. to allow the United States government that I I still have some <laughs> respect for. I'm I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that the United States government is doing everything they can to get Brittany Griner sure. to hell out of Russia. But we got a situation here because. You knew this guy eventually was going to show up. Dennis Rodman has come out and said that he's going to go to Russia and free Brittany Griner. Uh, he says, and I'm paraphrasing here, that uh, he's cool with Vladimir Putin and he wants to go all the way to Russia and talk to his homie Vlad about freeing Brittany Griner. And I just want to say 
that's a terrible, terrible idea. Please don't let Dennis Rodman take his ass over to Russia and start talking that nonsense and get Brittany Griner another nine years added to the nine unjust years she has already been dropped, had dropped on her by uh, by the Russian authorities. So for the love of God, please do not let Dennis Rodman go over to Russia. He's only going to make things worse. He is, de- and if he doesn't make things worse, I can tell you this much: he's definitely not going to be bringing her home. Okay, dude. Why? Why do dictators like Dennis Rodman so much? I don't know. Why do they like him? I don't, it's weird. I don't know. <laughs> he seems to have these. I don't know how he gets these good relationships with these dictators. It's it's mind blowing. He probably well. He probably goes in. You know what? Fuck the U.S. He, I'm sure there's a lot of that going on with Dennis Rodman when he goes over there. Or you know, or maybe, or maybe just maybe they look and go, okay, Dennis Rodman. He grew up in Oklahoma, okay, not heralded as a basketball player in high school and college at all. He takes mm. his let's say unique skill set to the NBA, ends up playing with some of the greatest players of all time. Isaiah Thomas and Michael Jordan specifically ends up making himself into a Hall of Fame professional basketball player and mm-hmm. and Dennis Rodman had relations with Madonna <laughs> and Carmen Electra. Maybe <laughs> maybe the crazy dude in North Korea and other dictators around the world are looking at Dennis Rodman's come up. They're looking at his life story going <laughs> well, I got to get to know this guy because when you really think about what I just laid out, that's an extraordinary life story for a guy who, <laughs> not all that attractive, not all that smart, <laughs> but Dennis Rodman is going to be known for another hundred years. And he came from nowhere. Nothing. Hey, you know, want to hear a really uh, quick Dennis Rodman story? More than uh, anything. So I would. I used to, when I worked at another station, I used to, uh, I used to take a yearly trip down to the Grammys. And one year, Dennis Rodman was there at the Grammys promoting something. Uh, I think he was promoting some pill or something. So we sat down. I knew this was going to be a great interview because it was Rodman. And then the dude is pretty much unfiltered. So we sit down and we get into the conversation. And of course, as I expected, he was completely open. He tells me a story about when he broke his dick. <laughs> I go, I go, wait, wait, what did you say? <laughs> this dude says, yeah, man. So I was on a yacht and uh, of course, yeah, I was with, I was with a couple of women, like yeah. a couple of women, like, he said it was more like an orgy, but but it was me and a bunch of women. I said, "Wait, you were on a yacht with a bunch of women, and you were having sex with these women?" Yeah, yeah, of course. I said, "No other guys are around to participate." No, no, no. He's like, "No, this is just for me." I said, "Oh, okay." Acting like I was not at all impressed by this. Acting like I wasn't impressed. I was so impressed. And then, and then he says, "So yeah, uh, I was with this chick and." I pulled out, and then I went in a little bit harder than I probably should have because I was high. And he said, (laughs) I felt the worst pain I've ever felt in my life. And he said, the chick I was with started screaming. I said, oh, my God, you heard her like that? He said, no, because there was blood everywhere because I had torn my penis. I had torn my penis and blood was just shooting out of it. I said, oh, my God. I said, what happened? He said, I had to go to the doctor, obviously. I had to get stitched up. I said, Dennis, that is the craziest story I've ever heard a human man say to me. He said, no, I got some other ones, but that's the one that hurt the most. I was like, bravo, Dennis. Bravo, Dennis. Your boy went and got stitched up, and he said the penis is working again. Of of course, uh, Dennis Rodman. Uh, Dennis Rodman <laughs> broke his Rodman. Of course, that that he's the guy that did that. But he, here's here's why. Here's where my 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 journalism brain starts to activate. 
the question I have is not is it true? I'm I'm going to take Dennis Rodman at his word that he was having uh, sex with multiple women on a luxury uh, vessel. <laughs> what I want to know is, was that yacht out to sea, or was it <laughs> was it docked? Because if it's docked and and he snapped the carrot. You're like, okay, we get me off this boat, get me in a car, or get me in an ambulance, and get me to the nearest doctor, right? It's it's a pretty seamless thing. You go from boat to, right. to, to land transportation, and then you go see the doctor, like cool Modi said. Go see but the doctor. But if you're out to sea and you break it, that's a long-ass boat ride. <laughs> Because it went from the greatest day of your life, orgy sex on a yacht, to the worst day of your life. The day you broke your penis having orgy sex on a yacht. So, God, I wish I was there, not because I wanted to hear the details of the story, but I just need to know, were you able to quickly get that problem? And indeed, breaking your penis is a problem. Were you able to get that problem fixed quickly or was there a excruciatingly long boat ride involved? Rod, that's a, that's a very, very good question. And I wish I had asked that. I wish I had asked that question. I actually, I'll be honest with you. When he told me this story, I'm like, I'm calling bullshit, dude. I just don't believe like, who breaks their dick? So I actually went and did some research and found out this indeed does occur. Every now and then with some men. Who's had it happen to them. And I, I it's he's a he's a good friend of mine. I know someone who's had it happen. Because I, I've always thought and you can't do it. I just always felt like that they were made, you know, <laughs> once they got to that spot, they were they were almost indestructible or at least made out of some space age polymer. I thought it was impossible <laughs> yeah. for you to break it. But I know someone who did it, and I know the person he oh. did it with. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. It's it's a thing. It can happen. So beware, kids. I, oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Think about that next time you're 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 getting down in the biblical sense that you are putting as a reminder. As, as a reminder, guys, you ain't hurting nothing. <laughs> Except as a reminder, you are not killing it. <laughs> oh, we're, we're here to help. That's what we do. All right, we're we're here to to entertain. And we are here to help. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Um, um, I got I got some pop culture stuff. Uh, Lay it on me. Ben Affleck, Jennifer Lopez got married again over the weekend. Which I'd is, marry her multiple times. All she has to do is ask me. Would you? God, yes. I don't know, man. I, 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 first of all, I'm thinking this couldn't have been Ben's idea. Of course, not. like it couldn't have been Ben's it idea. Jennifer, like, it was all Jennifer Lopez's idea, and that's the kind of idea that comes from a woman of that stature. And Ben Affleck's answer is the answer you give, which is yes to a woman of <laughs> sure. Jennifer Lopez's stature. Because as far as I'm concerned, Jennifer Lopez, along with Beyonce, along with Pam Ooh. Greer, along with Jennifer Aniston, Jennifer Lopez, mm. along with Halle Berry. Jennifer Lopez Ooh. is on that list. She is an yeah. all-timer, flat out. So if Jennifer asks you to get married multiple times in multiple locations, and you got to put on multiple touches for that, your answer better be yeah. He, he's a better like man than me. You ain't, you ain't with uh, Jennifer Lopez no more. Well, that, that definitely could happen. I, I, don't, I, just, I don't know that I could go through it. I, I would think if I was Ben... Jenny, we did this in 2002. We tried to. We broke up. And then we just got married last month. I don't get married again. So who are we inviting to this thing? I got to, I mean, they're doing the vow thing again. Ah, it seems like so much fucking work. But Rod, you do bring the, the ace to this conversation. It's Jennifer Lopez. You go ahead and you marry her a couple of times if you have to. I, it just seems like so much damn work. Goodness gracious. Oh, it's, it's 100% overkill. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's Jennifer Lopez. 
Sorry. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you want to swim in those waters, then you have to act accordingly. And if she wants to get married multiple times in a very ostentatious manner, then damn it, you do it. <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if you uh, if you I, I saw a few pictures and it was just so funny. I saw some pictures of Ben Affleck after the wedding and they were like they're driving away and stuff. And you should just see this dude's face. <laughs> He's like. Oh my God, I'm so glad this shit is over. And then they got to go on this uh, honeymoon again. They went another honeymoon. It's just, uh, I get you. I feel you, Ben, but hopefully this is a long term proposition for you uh, and you won't have to do this every. Watch her make him get married every year. <laughs> Watch her make him get married every year. Oh again. my God. You better Not do every it. Year. If you want to stay married to her. I mean, I. I, I understand yeah. that it is ridiculous <laughs> all the way around to get married that many times and, and put on just what is a, a very obvious public display of affection. Yo, man, it's Jennifer Lopez. Sorry. <laughs> That's, you either do it or you don't. Yeah. And if you don't, you run the risk of no longer being able to look at Jennifer Lopez on the regular. And to me, <laughs> not being able to look at Jennifer Lopez in various states of undress on the regular is a crime. <laughs> Absolute crime. <laughs> Sorry, just me. <laughs> and I know I ain't the only one that thinks that way. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, we, what we got next? Uh, let's get to, uh, let's get to the juice, my man. It's a segment where for those so, of you who are uninitiated, uh, we take a topic and we squeeze every ounce of goodness out of it. What we got. So, you know, Irv Gotti has been on this weird Ashanti like diss tour for some reason. He was on drink champs uh, a few weeks ago basically saying that Shanti abandoned him when the feds came after Irv Gotti used to run Murder, Inc., which is Fat Joe and Ashanti and Ja Rule. And Murder. All those in the, yeah, in the early 2000s. Ja Rule big, big, big pun, all those guys. And they were huge for a bit. Um, and I guess, you know, Irv got into a little bit of trouble with the feds, some fraud stuff. And uh, he said Ashanti took off on him. Now, he also said some not so nice things about Ashanti. How not only does she take up, he said, I she wouldn't have been anything without me. I can't believe she left me. She left me when I needed her most, blah, blah, blah. Just going on and on. And by the way, it's been 20 years, and this dude is still going on and on about this chick. So then <clears throat> he's on another show and he starts talking about Ashanti again, basically outing himself as a sexual predator. Because he was like, yeah, so, um, you know, he's he's got a, what, a 10-year lead on her. He might be a little bit older than that. But he's at least at least a decade older than the shot. So she had to be like 19 or 20, 21 when, they, when he started messing with her. He says that he took her to her house. And once he got to the front door, he just grabbed her ass and pushed himself on her and just started tonguing her down. I'm like, you're gross. <laughs> you're hella gross. Why would you admit this in public? But more importantly, he holds it against her for leaving him all these years later. She was with Nelly for a little bit. She was mad at her for going out with Nelly. It's, he's another one of these dudes who can't seem to understand why a woman would ever tell him no. Why is it that these dudes, Matt Barnes is another dude. You wanna, why do these dudes want to fight over these exes? I don't understand it. You're not together anymore. Because their ego is wrapped up in the relationship because it's about them. Um, That's it, brother. Yo, man, everything that Irv Gotti has been doing over these past couple of weeks and everything that he's been saying to me is just, it's low. You're a grown man, bro. Mm -hmm. Shut up. No, you're you're not making yourself look good. You're not... um, you're you're not turning people against Ashanti. If anything, you're you're making people feel more sympathetic for her and saying, "Yeah, man, good you got away from that loser who was getting run yeah. up on by the feds and and who was you just what Irv Gotti is proving is is something I think we knew, uh, but he again is proving it. He ain't a good dude. He ain't a good dude. Nah. Like you just you you're you're a guy twenty years later sitting up and gossiping about a woman 
Like that's just like that's, that's not that's it's not decent human behavior. But it, it, let me just be. That's just not what that's not what a man does. You dig what I'm saying? Yeah. Just, just yeah, no. I, I feel you. Yo, man, you could have kept all that to yourself. I don't know yep. of anyone who's like, do you hear what Irv said? Oh, damn, that's that, where it it changes their mind or 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 it makes them think or or it, it just it, no, man. You just hear it and go, really, dude? That's what <laughs> yeah. that's what you're on right now. Yeah. How old are you? Well, yeah, you know, Ashanti is out there living her life quietly. Still probably thick and as cute as ever. I'm sorry. Yes, sir. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. But you know, it just, it's just, it's not, yo, man, it's just not cool. Just shut up. Shut up, Irv. It's just, I don't understand. And we, all, we, we, all, we both, I'm sure, know these dudes. Like, man, once you are not with that lady anymore, why are you, who, who cares who she's going out with? Yeah. Who cares? Like, even if it's your baby's mama, you have to care a little bit because you don't want the dude to be a you know an asshole or an abuser. But otherwise, it's really not your business who she going out with, etc. But so many cats are like that. And as she you said, somebody else, to- dog, you gotta let yeah. it go. Either keep that shit to yourself or tell it mm-hmm. to your therapist. Mm-hmm. But to get on a podcast I- and be no nah, man. Nah, nah. Grow up. Nah. Grow up. It's it's embarrassing. The the Matt. Remember the Matt Barnes thing where he went and got into a fight with Derek Fisher. Like, now that was funny. I mean, doing? I, I mean, I, I mean, oh, listen. I'm not in the drama, so it's all. I mean, I love talking about it, but just as a dude, as a human, be like, dude, grow up. Y'all, y'all are done. There you go. He, he drove across L.A. presumably through a great <laughs> amount of traffic because it is L.A. Yeah. To roll up on Derek Fisher because he wanted to give him that work because he was. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing about this because the last thing I Rod. need to do is make an enemy Rod. of of Matt Barnes and presumably Rod Stephen Jackson. We've had it, yo man. That shit we've was had, funny. We've I'm had, sorry, Rod. We we've had this discussion. You know what bad Matt Barnes is? Light skinned gangster. Light skinned gangster. Know. Absolutely. We know. You know, they what? have been we having have... to prove their toughness their entire lives. Okay, they yes. are about yes. that life. Win or lose, yes. they are going to be ready to go because they have been having to fight against that light skin is weak stereotype since they were two years old. So, yes, preach it. You know, we we have enough of a of a of a podcast episode catalog. Well, we can refer people back to an earlier episode yes, and you'll that's understand right. and learn more of uh, what a light-skinned gangster is and who uh, are the uh, preeminent light-skinned gangsters here <laughs> in the year right. 2022 AD. We need to put together our top 10 light-skinned gangsters list. That <laughs> needs to happen right away. <laughs> list. We need well, that. Number one, number one, Malcolm X. <laughs> Malcolm X. <laughs> We're gonna do this. Malcolm X. This. Malcolm X is at the top of the list. <laughs> Malcolm was so gangster. A lot of people don't realize how light skinned he was. A lot of people don't realize how light skinned Michael Malcolm X was. Malcolm X was pale, baby. He was pasty. <laughs> redhead. <laughs> He's a redhead. Can you imagine being a light skinned ginger? Oh my god. <laughs> oh god. Are you kidding me? Uh, yeah, we we will definitely. No wonder he was so angry. <laughs> we will definitely put together the definitive light skinned gangster list. But I, I mean, we we've already given it away. I mean, number one, it's, if you don't have Malcolm X at the top of the the light skinned gangster uh, uh, power rankings, <laughs> then what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> so, but we will reveal two through ten on uh, on subsequent episodes of Quality. <laughs> Hell yeah. We're about to go viral, baby. <laughs> or at least we're going to piss off a lot of people in the process. So, For sure. <laughs> Let's hope. <laughs> uh, too much fun, man. Too much fun. Uh, it's a, another. Um, listen, we call this quality hang. Not because it's a cool title for a podcast. And indeed, it's a cool title for a podcast. 
but <laughs> when 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 markets get together, when we get together, it's a quality hang. I mean, it's you Always. can hear, and as you've heard on on previous episodes of Quality Hang, it's just two dudes who uh, have a lot of opinions about things, and we feel as though other people need to hear them. And voila, <laughs> here you go, another episode of Quality Hang. Make sure you follow us on uh, Twitter at Quality Hang or at Quality Hang Pod at Quality hang for all of the socials, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And we'll do it again next week. Always a pleasure, my man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, everybody. uh, Go out there, be kind, and uh, be good, or at least be good at it. We'll talk to you next week. (laughs)